0: episode 49, Patrick and Cyprian take a look at the Nobel Prize in Physics. The team discuss entanglement, some of the other scientific achievements that set the stage, and the implications of bringing quantum topics to the forefront of scientific discussion. Welcome to Entangled Things, your quantum computing podcast, hosted by Patrick and Cyprian.
1: Hey, Cyprian. How are you doing? Hi, Patrick. I'm doing well. and
0: looking forward for what will be, I believe, a very interesting episode of Entangled Things.
1: Well, you're setting a hard bar hard- since there's no guest today. It's just you and I talking about the Nobel Prize going to three scientists who really plumbed the depths of quantum entanglement. And so we thought it was a good idea to you know, talk about quantum entanglement and because uh, it's such a straightforward concept for everyone to understand, isn't it?
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right.
1: Okay. That was sarcastic.
0: Something that that kids should learn in the first grade. right? I've
1: I've had people on my staff who I've briefed on this, who've left the room and not been productive for a week because they couldn't wrap their heads around it. So this is a, this is one of those weird things um, that, that actually frustrated Einstein. He didn't believe the implications of it until the day he died. So, so let's talk about it. What, how would you, set the stage, how would you explain quantum entanglement?
0: Well, I would obviously start by uh, uh, kind of uh, acknowledging and recognizing the the Nobel Prize winners. Specifically, right, we are talking here about uh, Alan Aspect, John F. Clauser, and Anton Seilinger. I hope I got the names right. Uh, they won this year the Nobel Prize in, in, in physics. And the reason why they were awarded with the most prestigious uh, prize in, in physics was to recognize their achievements in quantum mechanics. Um, and as you mentioned, specifically, uh, the prize is linked to their achievements in experimenting with entangle
1: and and that's Uh, over decades it's not that they just did something last month this is this is lifetime achievement
0: usually you get the nobel prize decades after uh you started that work uh and 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 kind of i i think that's that's only natural because there's no way to tell the real impact of some work uh, like a year after it 's been published yeah right?
1: it 's a shame you can 't get it after you 've passed because John Stuart Bell really does deserve some credit here so john stuart bell 's the the uh, uh, northern Irish um, scientist who came up with bell 's theorem, which we 've talked about on the show that was the mathematical um, signboard that these guys tested against and so a quick a quick um, if I can take a stab at explaining bell 's theorem Uh, if you don't mind. So, so Bell's theorem Bell, So Einstein, Podolsky and Rosen, um, didn't agree with Niels Bohr. They thought that if you take two particles and you entangle them and then you take them far apart, when you read one, the other will always be correlated to the reading of the first one. hundred percent correlation. It'll always be related to each other. No, it'll never be, it'll never be wrong. If you measure it according to the same, Para, uh, same paradigm. But you can measure it wrong and then they'll be random. But if you measure it in the same paradigm, they will always be 100% correlated. Now, Einstein knew the math and said it can't be right. That that the that Niels Bohr was saying that the particles didn't know what they were going to be until they were red, which meant there was some kind of magical instantaneous communication that seemed to violate the speed of light but nobody was saying that it's violated the speed of light. And Einstein's like, no, no, there's hidden variables in there. There's something, they know what their value is going to be. And if you take Schrodinger's cat, it would be the assertion that the cat is either dead or alive. You just don't know because you haven't looked. Not that it isn't one or the other until you look. And so that's a small difference, but it's a big difference. And so For the entire rest of Einstein's life, he held that view that there were hidden variables that we couldn't read and know it wasn't some magical, you know, transference, teleportation, it's called. Um, Quantum teleportation, which is confusing, is kind of that, that, that process. So. It wasn't until like 1960, I think it was either 5 or 9, I think it was 69, I'll, I'll go with that for now, um, that John Stuart Bell came up with a mathematical formula to test it. And I'm going to quote it off the top of my head. I think it's right. If I have two particles, A alpha and beta, and I have two ways to measure them, X and Y, then, then if I take the results of my measurements and I take A, X, Y, uh, B, B, uh, beta X, plus ay beta y plus ay beta x minus ay beta y the the number should always come up less than 2 should always the a- the average should come up always less than 2 it can be 2 but it should always it should always be 2 or less and if that held then einstein was right and there is hidden variables but if it isn't if it's ever higher than that, then were, the the decision is being made in, in the moment, and and understanding Bell's theorem is a whole nother episode, I'm sure. And these gentlemen tested over and over again, meticulously eliminating false, eliminating all possibilities of error, to show that the average is about two point eight, which means that that Bohr's Niels Bohr was right. Did I get that right? Did I get Z? yeah
0: yep, actually actually, they performed uh, three different uh, sets of experiments right and and all three of these experiments, that's why the the, the prize was awarded right they actually measured violations of Bell's uh, uh, inequality right and Wait. while the, the the formula that you mentioned right is important to further simplify the concept for our audience. Right, Bell's inequality actually talks about correlations that can be observed in, in in such a system, right? And and the fact that they can be violated is very very important for, uh, uh for quantum for quantum theory, right? And uh, just diving a little bit into the history, the the first of these experiments was done shortly after Bell uh, published, right? I think it was seventy two. And it was Clauser at the at Berkeley University, University of California. He measured correlations right between uh, the, the the polarizations of pairs of photons. This was kind of the first of the of the of the experiment, and I think it was the first time that it was showed that that Bell's inequality. Was was violated, which actually meant a clear proof that those pairs of photons were actually entangled. Right. right. That's how that's how the whole story whole story started. But um, you know, nothing's right, or nothing's kind of uh,
1: uh, either in, completely in right we, or in God we trust. Everyone else, we double check. Is that what you're about exactly. to say? Exactly. <laughs> it turned out that
0: there were some loopholes, right in yeah. in the in the in the uh, 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 experiment, right. Uh and then basically almost ten years after, Aspect and some colleagues at uh uh the uh uh the University of Paris, uh in or say France, right, they kind of improved that that experiment. And then I think it was another fifteen or sixteen years uh after that, when Zeilinger and colleagues in Austria at Innsbruck, they actually kind of closed uh, those loopholes for good. And that's how, like, if we look at the, the time span of 72 all the way to 98, right, which is like more than 25 years, it took to kind of reach the clear conclusion that, yes, entanglement is a thing. And putting head-to-head all these experiments we reached the conclusion that okay, so the loopholes were closed. Uh, it's very difficult now to kind of uh, let's say um, uh, charge say. or 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 uh, uh, say anything against the results because they were proved to be conclusive. So yeah, <coughs> it's very interesting, right? It's very interesting because um, uh, what strikes me though, Patrick, is. How uh, a one of the smartest people that ever lived on this planet, right? Albert Einstein, while having the math in front of his
1: eyes, right? Well, he's he responsible for it. If it wasn't right? for his theory of relativity and other right? theories, but
0: he he just couldn't trust
1: the mathematics that were in, in in
0: front of him. And if if I recall correctly, till the day he died, he never reconciled with. This concept he called "spooky action at a distance," right? right? Because it was like so against. It's
1: alien. It is. It's alien to us as well because yeah. it defines yeah. now the two the two assumptions that are built into Bell is locality, which is things don't violate the speed of light, and 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 hence the fact that if if that communication was bound by the speed of light, then it would be it would always be two the average would be two um or less. And also reality. So local reality is is are the two limitations. And that means if a tree falls in the woods, does it make a sound? The answer has to be yes, because that's reality, as opposed to um, you know, things being focused on whether we observe them or not. Even though that might be contrary to people's assumptions, because things like the double slit experiment seem to indicate that nature changes its behavior based on our observation but that's another show probably um i would like to bring up something you said spooky action at a distance i'd like to take the opportunity to bring up the email i sent you not too long ago i hope you read it about faster than light (laughs) communication so i'd like to open up a can of worms if you don't mind are you okay with that no so i um, love that (laughs) so the first time the first time cyprian and i talked about this I was uh, the Padawan, he, the Jedi master. And um, I'm like, well, faster than light communication. And that's what everybody says about this stuff. You know, I could, I could take two particles, entangle them. I could put one in a, in a spaceship armada under Cyprian's command and one in a spaceship armada on my command, and we can go to opposite ends of our enemy's territory. And the problem is, <laughs> doesn't help us. If I read mine and it's a one and he reads his, it's in a zero. Now what? It, it's not like he decided what it was gonna be. It's not like he could put his message into it. It's it's still random junk. It doesn't help us. But I've come up with a scenario that I think we I wouldn't call it quantum communication. I would call it quantum coordination. And that is a very limited space and it's very limited usefulness. But I think it I think I found that the reason I've had a problem with this, and I'll lay it out for you. Um, or for our audience. Um, If Cyprian and I are both attacking the same galactic empire light years apart on opposite ends of the the enemy, and we've made a decision that one of us is going to do a feint and the other is going to actually do the main attack. And that's because we want to draw forces away. And so one of us is going to do it a little earlier than the other. And so that that way the feint starts pulling forces away from one border then we can agree ahead of time that when we read the, the entangled bit that we have, if Cyprian gets the one and I get the zero, he's gonna do the feint. And he's gonna do it at this time. I, so I can't communicate the time. I can't communicate what the nature of the attack is. I can only communicate or actually let the dice decide which is gonna happen. And so you can think of these as like dice. So if I had magical dice, that I could roll and you could roll and they would always come up the same, then we could make our coordination based on faster than light communication. But we couldn't communicate, we could only coordinate. So if he gets a one, he attack, he does the feint and I do the attack. If I get a one, I do the feint and he does the attack. And so the enemy can't know what's gonna happen because we don't know what's gonna happen. There's a famous quote from World War II. American anonymous soldier said, "How can the enemy anticipate our moves when we don't even know what we're doing?" And and there's there's brilliance in that. And so there's no spies capable of knowing which armada is going to actually attack. There's no there's no way for it to be interfered with, so it's still secure coordination. And so I submit that while there is no faster than light communication, this does provide faster than light coordination so is there a rebuttal or do you agree with me
0: well um there are two interesting things here (laughs) a the first one is um yeah i i would agree like in 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 this whole setup that you mentioned we are not implying that we communicate anything right so we are not violating in any way the, the currently accepted laws of physics Uh, the one thing that, um, uh, would raise a question for me is, um, how do I know that you looked at your entangled particle? How do we correlate the, the time of the, of, of, of the, the reading of the, of, of of the state, right? Because our attack makes sense only if we kind of do it pretty much at the same time
1: right but but i uh, maybe and maybe this is niceties that i don't understand um, i believe that if you and i take quantum bits and we take them far apart and you read one and an hour later i read one you still collapse the the, the wave function so mine is already set and it, so i don't know that it ma- i don't think i don't think simultaneous Reading is required for the correlation to be maintained. I think. No,
0: no. I mean for our strategy,
1: right? Well, we'd have to have a clock that, you know, we'd have to have mutual clocks. We'd have to make sure we traveled at the same speed so our relative clocks didn't tick faster or slower. We'd we'd have to be smart about our quantum coordination, but I don't think there's anything, I think it's possible for us to close those loopholes, if you will.
0: Yeah, and then the second topic, which I believe is even even more difficult, is uh, the actual um, uh, lifetime of the entangled state, right? Pretty much how individual qubits suffer from from decoherence, right? Yeah. We have the, the the same situation with entangled entangled states, entangled like like two, because this is a system of, of two particles, right? Not one particle, right? Uh, a system of two particles suffers as well from from the phenomenon of, of of decoherence. So, the like let's say one of the challenges that we need to overcome is to build uh, entanglements that will last in time. Right. That's 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 one of the other things that which uh, I'm not saying it's not possible. Obviously, for now we are not very good at. Creating long-lasting entanglements. That's that's the other. Yes, uh,
1: and of course, this is a hypothetical world where we've mastered. We've mastered it. Uh, Yeah, yeah.
0: But But um, I think it's other than that, right? These are some, let's call them, quote-unquote, minor hurdles. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) As 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 long as we uh, do not rely on exchanging any kind of information, right. Yes. Um, we, we can definitely claim that we can coordinate some some kind of actions based so, on, on, on
1: that. I mean, I, I have, I think it's, it's, it's remotely possible that this is a unique take on the use of quantum entanglement, but I, I'd be shocked if it was. Uh, but have you heard of quantum coordination in this way or the use of quantum for this kind of... I mean, it doesn't have to be in space. It could be on Earth. It could be, I mean, there's places on earth where I can't communicate. So if I had no communications, I could relay, I could use this kind of coordination to, so that everyone knows what the plan is. You know what? If, if you lose contact with me for more than two days, I'm going to keep going North. And at least now, you know, if, if my bit is a one, I'll go North, I'll go South. If it's a two or if it's a zero. Um, I, just, I wonder if, this is something that in our lifetimes or even the lifetimes of anyone alive would ever be useful. Uh, but it might be a new way to think about it. So I'm going to have to poke around to see if quantum coordination is a thing. And maybe we'll ask one of our next guests who's in that, who's in the space that might know.
0: Yes. I've, I've actually stumbled uh, uh, a few times on, on discussions about this, the kind of uh Scope of the whole thing is actually limited by the very very short amounts of time that we are capable of uh, uh, keeping particles entangled.
1: Yeah. Right. So, so,
0: and and just to be uh-huh. clear, we are talking about currently we are talking about like like orders of magnitude uh, below a second, right? Yeah. That we can we can have systems of entangled particles. So. We're, we're hoping that we will be able to create ones that, that will last
1: well, longer than that. Okay, but we have assertions that people have taken these things distances away from each other. It, it, have they taken them sufficient distances to get... Because like the, the, the communication satellites the Chinese have launched, uh, the ones the Europeans are looking to launch, um, they they have to have photons that are quantum entangled that are then traveling somewhere and that-
0: Yeah, but if you look at the distances, I think there are distances in maybe- Thousands of miles or kilometers. Thousands of of miles or something like that, which even if you use photonics, right, that's that's going to be like-
1: Less than a uh, a fraction of a second.
0: A a, a very small fraction of a second.
1: Okay. All right, so it's almost always photonics that they've done these experiments with. That would make sense.
0: As far as I know, uh, almost all of the experiments that were performed to date to demonstrate any kind of, of, of entanglement were done with with photonics, and that's simply because uh, it's it's probably easiest to uh, entangle photons. Uh, it's the, the the best way that we that we know. However, if you also think about Patrick, some of the. Uh, modalities that we are currently investigating in the industry to, to build uh, universal quantum computers. And I'm thinking here, for example, about um, uh, trapped ions, for example, mm-hmm. right? Um, or even the ones that are, that are, are, are based on, on um, other modalities, right? Uh, in order to get a universal quantum computer, you need to implement the, the CNOT gate, the conditional NOT gate. And the conditional NOT gate is actually the one that entangles particles. So right. uh, all the all the let's say uh, uh, universal quantum computers they need to have a way to perform uh, uh, entanglement, and because at the end of the day that's how how a CNOT gate uh, is is implemented. But again, we are talking about uh, uh, small times.
1: Coherence times uh, to, don't need to be, they just need to be long enough for us yes, to do the operations.
0: They're yes. so they, they, they really not focusing on getting like, I don't know, uh, hours long or whatever, coherence times there, because they really need to have coherence times that are like short enough, long enough, sorry, to perform the computations. Mm. But so actually entanglement is achieved with other approaches than, than photonics.
1: Oh, uh, Supercomputing. I mean, as, not as, as supercoming well. superconductors.
0: Yes, yes, it's trapped ion superconductors. These have already proven that they can they can build uh, two qubit gates. Um, obviously, there are many many challenges, some fundamental challenges to overcome at this point. But uh, it actually has been proved that it can be done.
1: So. so- I think this is an example, this, um, you know, quantum coordination as versus quantum communication is an example of the kinds of cleverness that is required to get around the, the seemingly insurmountable limitations that these rules impose on us. And so we've talked about, um, while I don't understand them in, in detail, the idea of entangling multiple photon, multiple um, particles into the same entanglement. I, I don't I, I I have straightforward examples in my mind of how you'd entangle two particles based on one being positive, one being negative, one being up, one being down—that kind of thing—from a neutral space. But how do you entangle twenty particles to get, uh, you know, a binary space of twenty bits? Um, and so there's lots of clever cleverness and thinking about things from different angles. And we saw this with Peter Shore. He was thinking about the problem from a different angle than everyone else. And that's how he came up with his algorithm. And so we need to kind of cogitate on this stuff. And, but you first have to understand enough of it. And I'm going to say this again, the, and sometimes it's helpful to not understand all of it because then you think of things that might be possible that someone who understands too well might not think are possible. And so if you're, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I'm still a novice. I'm still thinking that doesn't mean you can't be part of the breakthroughs because sometimes too much knowledge is a bad thing and it curtails creative creativity. You know, sometimes a, a real ambitious amateur is going to come up with an idea that, um, no one else will because they, they're not, they're not limited by, uh, dogma or, well, the assumptions you know, you and I are both programmers. How many times have you f- had a bug that's like that can't be? This can't be happening. This can't be happening, and you <laughs> and you go back and you find a, an assumption that's so fundamental that you never questioned it, and that's the way the problem is.
0: And that assumption was the wrong one. Actually,
1: exactly. Right? Yeah, it's like, well, it's not a problem with this, and and suddenly it it is. So,
0: or if it's not an assumption, Patrick, it's a case you never imagined. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Coming back to to Albert Einstein, right? All the Newtonian physics, right, was never taking into account what if you move close to the speed of light, right? So
1: <laughs> and, and eliminate was, gravity.
0: Right? It was it was like like all good for the specific case, right? No one thought what happens if this particular variable, let's call it speed, right, like Approaches to the absolute speed. So, but the other thing that I would like to to kind of um, let's say uh, highlight here is that uh, the work of these three gentlemen that won the Nobel Prize is one of the reasons why we even talk today about quantum computing, mm. right? Had they not be so instrumental, right, so important in proving that entanglement actually exists and, and can be achieved, right, I think a lot of the theory around quantum computing and a lot of the practicality of quantum computing would not exist today because, I, right, As, as we've mentioned, right. as we've mentioned multiple times, right, superposition and entanglement are kind of the the core pillars that provide that extra value uh, from the world of, of, of quantum physics and quantum mechanics that actually make quantum computing be something worth to consider, something that can promise significant improvements I, in performance over some specific set of, of, of problems.
1: It, it's a fundamental for, without entanglement, we wouldn't have quantum computing. And and superposition is also up, right up there. and. Yes. and all it doesn't matter whether it's photonics whether it's superconductors it doesn't matter the modality it just would none of it would exist without that and i agree with you 100% yes
0: yes so that's that's uh, uh one of the other reasons that uh when we discussed it back when the the prize was actually awarded we decided we should definitely do an episode on yep. this because it's this kind of of uh experimental research and experimental proof that actually laid the ground in, in decades uh, for a lot of the stuff that we are currently discussing with our guests and for a lot of the stuff that is, is actually happening in in the industry and, 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 and so forth. And that, that's why it, it makes it really, 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 really important. I
1: hope a lot of kids dress up as Halloween as these guys, that would be good.
0: <laughs>
1: maybe <laughs> yeah, that, maybe yeah, that's yeah. a little too far. Yeah, that'll be a little too f- further in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what else should we talk about with, with uh, entanglement? It, it's a, it's a, it's a very, I mean, we named our podcast after it.
0: Yeah. I, I again, uh, I think that the reason why we named the podcast, just to go a little bit back in time, Right. You talk about superposition and entanglement. I would dare to say between the two, entanglement is the one that it's really, really difficult to grasp, right? Like with superposition, it's somewhat easier to explain and to understand. Yeah. But entanglement and just to be clear for everyone listening to us, right? This Nobel Prize is well this Nobel Prize was awarded for experiments that proved entanglement can happen, right? Uh we still do not understand at all at all why and how is entanglement
1: happening? because it, it has no correlation in in the, the, in the, the macroscopic it's, world there's no it's, I can't take I don't think I can take you know physical objects that we can see and and have the same effect with them.
0: Oh no no definitely no. but even going down like to the to the super 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 low level, right. Uh, you 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 take like the standard model from from modern physics, right? And and all the the research and 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 uh, uh, all the mathematics that were developed around it still have absolutely no explanation on on how. So, in other words, as far as I know, we currently do not even have a theory no. to explain entanglement, except from except from the one that says there must be some additional dimensions to the four that we know—the the four three from space, one from time, right—the space-time four-dimensional uh, environment, right? There must be some additional dimension through which uh, the quote-unquote communication related to entanglement, right, happens, oh. but. Right, that's like like super fuzzy, right? It's it's yeah. Like that super that
1: that's, that feels like a Star Trek uh, plot twist, a, a, you know? A, a,
0: a, exactly. But in the confinement of of currently proven physics, right? We have absolutely no idea on on how is that that entanglement work uh, uh, actually uh, happening? That how that how that phenomena? And that that's for me is one of the like like extraordinary mysteries of our. Of our universe, that that it's it's a phenomenon that we are on a way to harness, right? Because we are building quantum computers that that are actually relying on on entanglement, but it's the kind of phenomenon that we we can't really explain or we can't really understand, like the fundamentals of it. We just know that.
1: In, uh, in yeah, examples. it's observable. We can observe the the effect. We don't know the cause. So let's talk about the the the, the fact, the way that a an, an additional dimension would explain it. Because I, I think I've got a good example of that. So let's say we lived in a two dimensional world. There's only x and y, and and we don't have any. And and while a three dimensional world does exist, we can't perceive it. In other words, we just see things in two dimensions, and it, and the world is flat there is actually a third dimension and that the sheets of our universe are laid on top of each other so that something that appears very far away is actually right next door on the third dimension. And so that's how this could be explained is if there's a fourth dimension, not counting time, that somehow something is very far away, but no, it's not. It's close because that other dimension adds this shortcut Then that is how you might explain it. But that's that's also been used to explain wormholes. And the problem with with, the, the thing with wormholes is we don't control where a wormhole would open and close. So, therefore, it's a happenstance of the geometry of that other dimension. But this is something that happens everywhere. And so, you would need a dimension, an extra dimension that allows for every point to be close to every other point because it's arbitrary. We haven't found any limitation on where you put the, 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 uh, the thing. So I, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing something here, but I would think that would be a, a hole in that theory.
0: Well, the theory goes, Patrick, that when you actually do the entanglement, right, you're bringing that, you, you are creating that, that, link in that higher dimension, and that link then remains uh, uh, valid or active, right? Because uh, you need to entangle the two systems, right? The two particles, the two photons, for example. So that theory goes that when you entangle them, right, you create that link or connection or however you want to name it in that higher dimension. And then as you kind of, uh, separate the particles in your, your uh, perceived for, for your perceived four dimensional, uh, 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 universe, right. Uh, that higher dimension still keeps that, that link. And it, it looks to you in the, in the four dimensional world, right. That, uh, wow, it's like spooky action at a distance, right. But, uh, It could be very well that, for example, in that higher dimensions, those two particles always remain in close proximity, overlap. Yeah, they they
1: they're 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 slotted that in some special way that we don't understand. But again,
0: just to to kind of uh, uh, cool the uh, imagination of our audience down, right? This is just like like wishful thinking, or uh, it's it's just like a, a a very loose theory because. There's no as proof I of said, it. We we currently don't like as opposed to the situation of Albert Einstein discovering the entanglement, right? And and having the mathematics predicting the entanglement, right? We currently really do not have a, a sound mathematical model that would uh, uh actually support or or predict in any way or explain in any way how entanglement works. And and that's like like very interesting for me, right? Well, we're, we're building stuff based on it. We are harnessing it, but we have to date no clue on on how this is well, actually happening. I mean, <laughs>
1: we understood we understood fire for for millennia. Uh, we didn't understand fire for millennia, but used it, so that hasn't stopped us before.
0: Yeah, that's that's absolutely correct, right? And it took us quite a while to understand how to produce it ourselves. Yes, right. Yeah. Uh, and we as you mentioned we still we still used it right so uh it's it's indeed a very a very interesting kind of uh kind of story and then the we other made, topic that sorry go ahead i, I was
1: going to say you made me feel like a caveman there for a minute so <laughs>
0: <laughs> we in in certain respects we are pretty much at the same level as our <laughs> uh good old ancestors were yeah, uh, uh, we were, we were, we're back then, right? Yeah, but I uh, I I think it's 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 interesting to also uh, kind of point out uh, uh, a little bit on on the topic of, of faster than light communications because we agreed when you provided the coordination example, right? That communication cannot occur, and actually that's a a a fact that has been mathematically proven, right? There is the there are two important results in uh, in the theory one is the no cloning theorem and the other one is the no communication theorem yeah and just to 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 be clear right suppose that we have two entangled particles right the only thing you can you can use entanglement for is to read the states right and 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 see that there is an inverse correlation because Suppose you and I have two entangled particles, right? And we take our own space armadas to, let's say, two different corners of the galaxy, right? Yeah. If I would think that I could send you a message, right, let's say by changing the state of my entangled particle, hoping that that would reflect on your side, Mm -hmm. changing the state of the uh, entangled particle actually breaks the entangle.
1: Right. Yeah, and that right. and that's it's, why that's why we can't have faster than light like communication. It's been proven it, over it, and over it, again. It,
0: exactly. Right. So all we can do is measure the particles, and then we will we will uh, reach the conclusion that let's say I don't know if it's a spin up, spin down, and if I read spin up, you will read spin down, or whatever. Yeah. Right. It's uh, actually it's an inverse correlation between the two of them, but if i try to change the state of of my entangled particle right you destroy it, it it will it will change obviously but it will destroy the entanglement leaving your particle in some kind of random state and then whatever you read out of it will have no correlation whatsoever yeah with, with, with,
1: it, with my i particle. i like the idea of describing it like magical dice that because i could i could team yeah. up you know sets of of entangled particles to get more complex results, but it's still all random. It's just, I know what you read. And so how can I make use of knowing that you're seeing 12 as the answer? What does that mean? Is that, that mean you're going to follow course of action 12? Does that mean that you're going to go to, you know, rally point 12? Does that mean, cause again, it, it, what it, what it protects us from is, is having someone intercept what we're going to do before it's decided to do it and letting it happen while we're not together make, get making the decision on who's doing what or where we're going i, I mean you could even do it for code uh, which code we're going to use so let's say we we set up code books and we have pages in the code book i could we could use that entangled state to decide what codes we're going to use that day and therefore, the yeah, code yeah. without coordinating, we can pick random codes. I think there's a lot of usefulness for quantum coordination, uh, but it's still you know we're still going to have to be clever about how we can make use of it.
0: yeah, and the other thing also to mention for our audience is we we do have now the concept of quantum communication, right, and we can do Com- quantum communication, and we can actually use some of the very right. important properties of 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 quantum systems. Like, for example, if you try to read it, it collapses. So you will know if someone eavesdropped, right? Yeah, on your communication. But still, they require additional communication of classical information,
1: and they're limited by the uh, speed of light. Absolutely,
0: e- e- yes. So they because they require. The communication of additional classical information, even when we do quantum communication, which we already know how to do, just to be clear, right? We still can't break the the the, the, the rule of faster than light communication, right? Simply because those quantum particles need to reach from me to you, or from you to me, right? Mm. And they can uh, currently, according to our current knowledge, they can only travel at Speeds that would not exceed the speed of of of, of light. So uh, this is like also I believe quite interesting, right? Uh, while we can't use entanglement to break the the current rules of physics, right? We actually can use entanglement to do a lot of very 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 useful, mm. uh, uh, very useful useful things. So um, this is why may uh, uh, like. Every time I talk to someone, that's that's one interesting kind of feedback that I get. Uh, every time I talk to someone about about entanglement, right? There are like two levels of shock. Always, the first one is like similar, obviously keeping the proportions similar to what Einstein thought of, like uh, oh, spooky action at a distance. That's not possible, right? And then the the second shock comes when people realize. How long is the list of possible uses of entanglement, right, Right. of even practical uses? So it's first like, no, that can't be. And then, oh, my, I didn't even think that there are so many uh, practical uses of entanglement. So
1: So that's what
0: makes it an even more interesting
1: topic. I think that that foreshadows the fact that we're going to be talking about this a lot in the future because this podcast is going to go on until you and I are old and gray and uh, I can't wait for the next time, (laughs) but I think that's it. I think this is actually a long show compared to some of our others. So uh, I think we have to put a, put a pin in it and, um, and come back to it later. But uh, as always, great talking to you about this stuff.
0: Oh, absolutely. This was so much fun, Patrick.
1: Thanks everybody. We'll see you again next time on entangled things.
0: Thank you. Bye.